Hi, I'm Mike Allen, Head of Research at Zeus, and today I'm talking about what we see as the key themes in the after-sales market for 2023 with Country Director for the UK at Jupa, Quentin Lehatet. Since 1986, Jupa has carried out market observations of the automotive park, after-sales market and consumer behaviour every single year. The group operates in more than 30 countries and I found it fascinating to see the differences in key markets across Europe based on their research. Quentin, good afternoon. Good afternoon. How are you, Mike? Uh, very good, thank you. Very good. Perhaps before we get into the nitty gritty of where we see the market in 2023, I think it'd be great for you to give us a quick overview of your background and the work you do for Jeeper, please. Yes, yeah, sure. Yes. Thank you very much for the invitation. I'm delighted to be here. Um, so before GPA, just to give you a bit of background, I used to work in the consulting department of uh, KPMG in France, yeah. as you can hear, I'm, uh, I'm French, and then uh, started working with GPA in uh, 2013. So it's been uh, going, oh, wow. to, going, yeah, going towards the 10-year uh, the anniversary, I can't believe it. Um, nice. And I started working uh, with GPA. I, I was I was looking after what we used to call at that point, and uh, probably still now, uh, growth market. Uh, yeah. So I was um, I was overseeing the, our activity in South Africa, in uh, in Turkey, in Morocco, Algeria, and Ukraine. Uh, so um, so it was interesting at the at the beginning to 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 see all those different markets at different point of maturity, if we can say that. Um, so that's what I did until 20, the end of 2016 and 2017. I, I started, uh, whilst already in the UK for quite a few years, I uh, started to be 100% uh, focused on the UK market. Yeah, very good. I mean, f fascinating journey that you've had. And as you say, looked at some really interesting markets as well, which I think gives a unique uh, insight. But perhaps we could start with the UK and what do you believe makes the UK a unique market when comparing it to some of the other European markets you've analysed? So I would say the first thing that comes to mind is the age of the car park. Also, yeah. uh, it is quite being challenged at the moment and, uh, and the ageing yeah. of the car park, we'll come back to that, is, uh, is actually quite important impressive how, how fast it is increasing uh, or aging. Uh, the uh, UK market is and has been and still is one of the youngest uh, car park in, um, in, uh, in Western Europe uh, because of the dynamic of the, of the car sales. Well, it has yeah. slowed down since 2020, but this, this is really the idea. So when we talk with um, car manufacturers, uh, especially the ones that are not headquartered uh, in, in the UK, uh, yeah. they tend to see the UK as an extension of their own market, whether they are French manufacturers, whether they are um, German manufacturers, uh, they, they, they expect the market, uh, the UK market, to be similar to theirs. And it's actually not the case at all, uh, which is That's quite true. interesting. Uh, there, yeah. uh, there, there is the channel plus another, uh, another few things uh, between, uh, between their market and, uh, and ours. I think one of the first things really that is important to have in mind is that the, the UK is one of the most mature markets in terms of finance, the way you finance cars. Yeah. PCP, there is not such things as PCP in most countries I know uh, of. Yeah. I, I, there is only in the UK that, have, uh, that I know something like PCP. Yeah. And of course, PCP is having quite an impact on uh, 
the type of, first of all the dynamism of uh, of car sales yeah. but also the way people maintain their car yeah. and how often you see those cars back onto the market the used car market yeah. okay and this is really something unique uh, because i would say that a, a new car is uh, becomes a second hand car uh, around the three years anniversary which makes sense yeah. because that's more or less the uh, yeah. the time of a PCP contract and uh, and other type of uh, of leasing. Um, and when when you when you think about that, that crossover point uh, in in Italy or Spain is closer to eight uh, eight nine years old. Okay, it's huge, isn't it? Uh, so that means that in those countries, uh, the driver tend to invest in their car in the sense yeah. that they. They are going to kill it. Yes, <laughs> you see what yes. I mean? the, yes. That's an investment. They are going to buy two or three cars during their life that are new, and they are going to kill it. It's completely different in the UK, which means that the uh, the uh, the price, um, the depreciation, if we can say that, of, of cars is much more important. Yeah. But also, uh, the used car market uh, is one of the biggest again of Western Europe in terms of volume sold per year, and this creates already when the car is only three years old a gap between the dealers and the driver because yeah. that driver that is going to buy the car for the first time used do not have at all the same behavior than the the new car or the new car driver if you can say that yeah. so coming back to my story about uh, about headquarter european headquartered uh, manufacturers they see a very young car park yeah so they are thinking they're dealer their, their network retention rate is going to be one of the highest but because we have that uh, that crossover between uh, used uh, or new and used that is very 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 uh, early in the in the life of the car then there is a lot of track if we can say that between uh, yeah. between the dealer in most cases not always but between the dealer and the driver and retention rate is not necessarily higher than in france uh, spain uh, uk or italy yeah. so Really, for me, it is one of the key points to understand to understand the the UK market uh, is related to the to the finance uh, the finance financing of cars at the moment, and also uh, how it impacts afterwards the relation with the car. I guess a big question is the impact EV will have on after sales profitability, not just in the UK but globally. The UK is probably ahead of most markets in terms of EV adoption. So are we seeing any early trends resulting from growing EV sales and after sales? We also know that oil can be a large margin driver in after sales as well, which will steadily erode. Should dealers be concerned about this? Thank you, Mike. That's also an interesting question. We have, uh, in, in, indeed, in terms of new car sales, if I start, uh, if I start by that, in terms of new car sales, um, the UK is one has been one of the leading uh, markets uh, selling uh, selling electric cars for for quite a while now. Uh, the Germ the German market is uh, is catching up. Okay, uh, so uh, uh, in 2022, about uh, between 17 and 19 percent of new car sales within those respective markets uh, were battery electric cars. Okay, which is uh, which is quite important. Okay, compared to what it was uh, just three or four years ago. Um, so that is that is an important point. It means that those uh, those markets are going to uh, to be leaders for the change. If you don't take into account Norway, of course, that is uh, that is even uh, even higher in, in proportion. Yeah. Um, so in terms of new car sales, this is important to have in mind. Um, in terms now of after sales, 
Uh, of course, the, the business model as we know it is going to be complete, completely change because uh, the world after sales business model as it is today is uh, based on part and labor revenue and uh, we will have uh, less parts, uh, less components in battery electric cars. Okay. Uh, therefore, uh, it, we will see, I think what we, what we will see is a, we will move from a, a part and labor orientated uh, revenue stream, if I can say that, to a mainly labor uh, orientated uh, revenue stream with potentially more important checks to be done if you take into account uh, technologies like ADAS uh, technology, uh, some calibration that needs to be done, some sensors that, that needs to be reset and so on. So really we are talking almost, uh, uh, I wouldn't say a, a completely different job, but uh, really a, a fast evolving um, first evolving skills in that area and uh, there will be uh, a need uh, for adaptation regarding the, the business model. And I, th I, th I think they're very complex vehicles as well so I'm sure the complexity and the after sales opportunities will get larger the older the EV car park gets as well as you say so. Sorry to cut you but one thing that I could mention as well that is interesting in terms of parts uh, of course uh, you mentioned lubricant and uh, oil change there will be no oil change okay uh, yeah. if we if we arrive uh, I don't know if we if we will ever but if we arrive to 100% car park that is uh, that is battery electric vehicle that means uh, simply no uh, no lubricant at all there will be new uh, new uh, new type of uh, operation that we need to be carried out, more coolant uh, for the electric battery, for example. Uh, so that's something uh, to have in mind. Uh, but also, as we can see, and at the moment in the UK, we are quite focused on the MOT because of the uh, the, the, the current consultation to potentially change the uh, the frequency of MOT. We got some information from the DVSA regarding uh, failure rate. And it's interesting to see that the failure rate of the youngest uh, electric cars for three and four years old is higher than ICE vehicle. So because of the weight of the of the vehicle, the yes. tire and, and the torque as well, the uh, the tire tends to uh, actually wear faster than uh, a uh, traditional car, if I can say that. So we can see some revenue stream that might actually also increase. Uh, tires may be one of them. Uh, uh, everything linked to steering and suspension as well, because the car is uh, is uh, is heavier. Okay, so yeah. it's still very early days. But quite interesting to see uh, to see how the that uh, that sub industry, if I can say that, is going to change. That's that's really interesting. And what 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 do you think the key positive drivers are? Dealers and investors should be focused on it on this market. We've talked a little bit about EV, but but other opportunities you're seeing in the after sales market. Yes. So first of all, uh, after sales, uh, the, the after sales market is is, is linked with everything um, everything related to part and uh, and to labor, as as we mentioned earlier. Uh, we had, if you take, uh, if we start in 2020, the last three years of uh, of car sales were bad, if I can say that. Uh, they were. Uh, there were around 1.6 millions of cars, while back in 2019 we had 2.3 millions of uh, of cars sold. Okay, so if you take if you if you compare uh, those two data points, this means that we accumulated over three years uh, 2.1 millions of cars that should have been sold in normal time that were not sold. Okay, yeah. so because of this, we have 2.1. Uh, millions of cars that should be between two and zero years old currently that we don't have. So the car park has increased in terms of age 
a lot. Okay, the, the car park has aged a lot. And therefore, uh, in proportion, a car park that is older than it used to be uh, two years ago means that there are more operations to be carried out. Okay, so all in all, it is positive. It means uh, that uh, that the after sales revenue uh, should be should be on the increase uh, due to that aging of the car park. Okay, so that's something that's something important to have in mind. I think the other thing important to have in mind is again talking about that those 2.1 million cars that were not sold over the last three years. It means that within the next kind of year uh, and uh, and moving forward, we are going to see a lack of young used car stock. Okay, I mentioned earlier the crossover point between uh, uh, for, for the, the, the average age for a new car to become used is about three years old. Okay, mm -hmm. so we are going to see less supply in the uh, used car market, and this might have an impact uh, potentially on the average price of those vehicles, but also uh, of, of drivers uh, to change on a, uh, on, a, on a regular basis their car. Okay, yeah. so uh, for me. If, uh, if uh, having having that in mind, I think it's important to focus on on the strategy to be to uh, to attract uh, customers that have cars that are four years and older. How do I do that? Uh, how am I competitive in terms of pricing to do that? Uh, the type of car that are offer that I'm offering, and what are the needs of drivers that drive a car that is over four years old? which yeah. might be quite different from a, a younger car that is potentially under a PCP, have some kind of service plan as well. Yeah, yeah, no, absolutely. It's really about solving problems around the, 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 the relevant car park ages, isn't it, really? So, uh, no, that, that, that's fascinating. And, and could add, sorry, Mike, I'm, I'm just yeah. thinking a thought that comes to mind, uh, mm -hmm. thinking about, uh, about uh, uh, car sales, yeah. uh, diesel, we have not sold diesel, we are not selling diesel cars anymore, okay, but yeah. we were still uh, five, six, seven years ago. This yeah. means that we have a diesel car park currently that is aging even faster than the remaining of the car park. Yeah. And that means that cars that are about nine, ten years old uh, at the moment, we start to have uh, diesel injection issues. So it's a very specific, tiny little niche niche of the market. Yeah. But that that niche uh, is potentially an interesting one to have in mind. Uh, having in mind that there will be a boom around here, and there is already an increase in that kind of operation now. And in five, six, seven years time, there will, there, there won't be any anymore. Okay, so it's not a real long term investment, but that's something mm -hmm. to uh, to have in mind as well. Yeah, no, it's fascinating. I'm, I'm, I'm seeing that in the in the older residuals as well have been, um, you know, extremely firm and probably firmer than what people have expected. Mm -hmm. So if you if you were a VC investor, Quentin, how would you disrupt the after sales market? So for me, the the first thing uh, looking at the after sales market uh, is it's a it's an old school market. We need to have that in mind. Uh, it is a relatively old school, old school market. In the UK, we have uh, some national networks that are relatively well known. Uh, the market is, however, mainly led by independent uh, garage, independent tire specialized workshop. Okay, yeah. and uh, then you have the you have the dealers, of course. Um, but all that independent area of the market is school as mentioned and is also uh, I think there is a lot uh, to be done around the, the digital tools that can be used for those uh, for those players um, so I think there, there is definitely some uh, some interesting uh, um, opportunities around uh, digitalizing the uh, that side of the industry 
Okay, uh, that's a, that's a garage management system, uh, remote diagnostic tools, uh, anything links to that kind of uh, that kind of, that kind of uh, experience to make to make that uh, the digital experience for customers even better. Yeah. So that would be one thing, definitely. Uh, I'm tempted to say as well uh, that the uh, the circular economy needs to be uh, needs to be watched. I don't know if investing is uh, is already the the good time, but definitely uh, to be uh, to be watched carefully. Uh, in France, there is a specific law uh, that normally a workshop should be offering for some for certain type of uh, non-related. Non, sorry, non-safety related operation, uh, the, the, the workshop should be offering an alternative to you. Okay. Uh, that's the theory. In practice, it's not that easy, but in, in, in theory, this is, this is the way it should be done. So you, we can see more players uh, arriving in that area on the French market. And I think once those players are established, they will want to grow elsewhere. Uh, there is also more awareness from the from the general public around uh, around uh, environment. Uh, and I think really uh, that circular economy in the automotive industry is something to, uh, to watch carefully. Yeah, yeah, no, fascinating, yeah. thank you. And finally, if we were to have this same discussion in five years time, what themes do you think we'll be discussing? That's also a fascinating, uh, a fascinating <laughs> question. I think um, I don't know if I completely believe in the in uh, in battery electric vehicles being the only mm. alternative uh, to mm. petrol or diesel. Okay, mm. so mm. Uh, I would be interested to see what we could say in five years' time regarding mm. uh, regarding the potential other option. Fuel cell, yeah. hydrogen uh, is on the table. Uh, yeah. I had some very good uh, discussion around uh, around this topic uh, with uh, with some uh, with some players. So I think that one is definitely an interesting one. Yeah. And uh, other than that, I think everything that is linked to uh, to, to the battery. And, and for example, I, I had a discussion a couple of uh, days ago about how we could potentially uh, offer in the market some kind of uh, battery state of health uh, certificate so something like potentially you sell when you sell a use uh, a, a use um, uh, battery uh, sorry electric electric vehicle how do you certify the uh, the quality of the battery yeah yeah uh, so that's also uh, i think a, a fascinating topic that will take relatively um, a few years i think to be uh, to be developed and uh, and offered in uh, uh, and find its, its own business model but uh, yeah very interesting as well i think uh, i think the, the the power train change generally is going to be uh, it's going to be an interesting um, and leading topic for the for, for, for this decade at least yeah I, I think we've had real mixed opinions on 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 ev whether it's evolution revolution whether it's the final solution etc and you know, it, 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 it is going to be fascinating just to see how this all unwinds. And I, I think you've got something there with a, if you could find a, a really successful battery degradation software app, I think that would be worth a lot of money as well as a, as a VC startup. But it's, it's finding these things, which is always the challenge. But, um, exactly. And, and, the, and the fine tuning of the solution before you can give, you can go on the, on, the, on the larger scale. So that's that's yeah. that's going to be interesting. And then, of course, there is all those uh, in the, 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 the resources of raw materials needed for, for those for those vehicles are in certain areas of the world that are not yes. necessarily the most stable in, in the most stable. Yeah. Um, so all the geopolitics around 
around around, around that is going to be and is already fascinating. And yeah. uh, God knows <laughs> what the situation will be in five years' time. So yeah, yeah. it's uh, no, a challenging question for sure, Mike. <laughs> no, it's and I'm sure it's one that we'll continue to talk over the next uh, couple of years. But Quentin, really appreciate your time today. Thanks for your time, and I think we're catching up next week in industry, next month at an industry event. So uh, look forward Indeed. to seeing you then. Yeah, looking forward to see you in the flesh as well, and uh, and to uh, to discuss. Would be good. Thank you for the invitation. No problem. Many thanks. This content is issued by Zeus Capital Limited, which is authorised and regulated in the United Kingdom by the Financial Conduct Authority, a designated investment business and is a member firm of the London Stock Exchange. Nothing in this podcast should be viewed as investment advice. Listeners should consult an investment professional before making any decisions regarding topics mentioned in this podcast. The views expressed in this podcast are those of the participants and not of Zeus. Please note that participants in this podcast may have financial interests in the matters discussed.